Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very excited uh, to have Nicole Merrill as my guest. Nicole's the author of a really interesting book titled Punched Out in the Face, How to Upskill, Change Careers, and Beat the Robots. She talks about the future of work. She's jumped around in her career in a bunch of interesting ways, landed in some interesting places that we're going to talk about. But before we get into any of that, I'd just like to welcome Nicole to Trending in Education. Nicole, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. I'm really excited to be here, Mike. Right. Well, And then I neglected to mention you're also a podcaster. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I yeah. have a podcast uh, called 50 Conversations where I yeah. talk about all of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a wild time to be talking about upskilling and changing careers. It's always a good time to talk about robots because <laughs> it somehow captures the collective imagination. But before we get into the book, I always like to begin the show by asking for my guest's origin story. So what got you to where you are today and why is that relevant to folks who are trying to understand where the world of learning is going? Sure. I'd say that where how I got here was a lot of experimenting and not a, not a lot of intention in the early years. I think one of my favorite questions I, I used to ask was like, when does a career begin? Mm. Because it's hard to know, right? My first job when I was 14, like that's, does that yeah, count? Right. But it did shape me. Mm -hmm. So really my story is a lot of jumping around, trying different things. I've always been really obsessed with people, with language, mm -hmm. with different cultures and stuff like that. So in college, I was a language major and studied French and Italian and some Russian. And a lot of it was just like literature. So it was like a lot of just reading and writing and analyzing what now we'd call qualitative data. But, and it was such a wild time and I lived abroad in that time. And after I graduated, all I wanted to do was just live abroad. Like I was like, how can I get abroad again? This yeah. is my world. But there's really not a lot of jobs for that. We didn't have the digital nomad at that time. Right. And we'd have remote work either. So yeah, yeah. it was a uh, non-existent. And so I ended up just taking a lot of just random jobs. I found a job once where I got to sell adventure travel programs in New Zealand. And I was like, yeah, send me, send me to New wow. Zealand. And yeah. All I had to do was like give announcements to like auditoriums of 400 and 500 people. And I was like, what a great job. Sure, yeah. I'll do this. Yeah. But, and then I just worked a bunch of, honestly, it's your 20s. I worked those jobs that are just kind of, I need to pay the bills. Like yeah. I did a lot of admin stuff. And then I ended up in grad school abroad where I studied cross-cultural communication and a lot of qualitative research. And I graduated into the recession. Mm. And I was like, this is terrible. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> coming back like a, like just everything's ideal and yeah. then hitting that 2008 barrier. Mm -hmm. And after a lot of temp work, I ended up at a startup, a, a global startup where I worked remotely in the time when nobody knew that was a thing. People were like, is this really a job? Are you getting scammed? I was like, no, I show up. We're on Skype. And that led me to working in universities later on. I transitioned out of that to do something completely different. I was a private jet travel writer for a while there because I wanted hmm. to get out of higher education and learn more digital marketing and things like that and yeah. creative work. And then my partner got into school, so I had to move across the country. And I was like, oh no, like I've got to change jobs again yeah. after two years. And I ended up at Yale School of Management where hmm. I was a, I was an international career coach. So basically what that meant was I was working with people from all over the world who were coming to change careers. Mm -hmm. And it was like this eye-opening moment where I was like, oh my God, like I get to listen to people talk about their, what, what interests them, what they want. And I get to see them in this really transformational time. Two year yeah. program, I'm not an MBA, but they're in a two year MBA program. And it was wild and they're coming from different cultures. So I had that cultural element. Yeah. But it was around that time that I started hearing, this was 2016, you started seeing those articles about robots taking jobs, right? Yes, yes. 
and the hype that was like, bots are going to take your jobs doomed. And you're yeah. like, really? Yeah. Does that really happen? Yeah. And at the same time, I was talking to employers all over the world who were talking about how they're looking for MBAs that have good communication skills. They can write, they can make decisions with data, they can work with engineers, they can lead. And all of a sudden, they're listing these skill sets that honestly are like a unicorn. Yeah. But that's, if you think of a traditional MBA, that's not exactly the skill sets that they have. Correct. And if I think about, I thought about my own career and I was like, well, I don't have all of these skill sets. Like, what's right. going on here? And so they, that was really frontline look at how the workforce was starting to change the kind of talent that recruiters wanted and so on and i thought if these elite mbas at this school don't have have all these skills yeah, some you, did, you weren't but, slumming you were at yale yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> right yeah. but i don't have an elite background i went to a state school and a no-name like, yeah. grad school they were phenomenal yeah but so if they don't have all the skills what's that say to me Right. And so I was like, here we are again. I'm now going to work on my fourth career change. Yeah. And I quit that job and I did two things. I, I started to try my own hand at entrepreneurship and doing creative stuff. And at the same time, I started researching, what does it mean by the future of work? What does it mean to actually upskill? Everybody's supposed to learn new skills. What does this actually mean? Yeah. And I ended up writing a book about it because most of the content written for people to, about upskilling the future work is directed to executives, mm -hmm. is directed, directed towards leaders. And yeah. I wanted to write something that was for people, <laughs> that actually right. walks them through, here's how to pick an online course, here's what certificate programs are, here's how right. it fits into your career change process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. where does the hand-to-hand -hand combat fit in just because robots are, are dangerous? And you know, I've seen, I, I've just in prep for this conversation, I, I have yeah. seen all three Terminator uh, movies yeah 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 yeah. so so where do you learn how to battle <laughs> the liquid guy and arnold schwarzenegger and then i mean you you yeah. don't know how to do that already i, I have a little i'm lagging that's okay, why, I, well, that's why we wanted to get you on the show yeah yeah uh no it's this whole thing about the robots what's so crazy about this and why i taught on my book beat the robots put that in there was really clickbait because that's what we've been taught to think about this is you're gonna go to work one day and you're gonna have a robot co-worker sitting there and you're gonna be like yeah. hey what's up how was your weekend not at all what's happening and this is actually what i write about in the beginning of the book it's it's about software it's about yeah. software that's um being used in the organization that is um going to do the things that some people already do yes. and we see this a um, really good example of this is automated uh, scheduling assistance so if mm -hmm. you've heard of amy like yeah. x.ai yeah you can just email you're emailing someone and they're like let me loop in my assistant a uh, amy and they'll schedule this and then you get a email from amy yeah and you can't see me here but i'm making quotes yeah, scare quotes um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's actually a bot that's doing the scheduling and I saw that years ago, like over five years ago. And I was like, wait, what? Because I yeah. used to be an admin assistant that did schedule it. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And then there's bots that do interviews, right? Mm -hmm. That will, you're engaging in a conversation that are replicating the phone interview. And it's, these are the type of things that most people don't see. And it's happening at scale in all different industries and roles. Mm -hmm. So this is what's happening when we say bots. This is yeah. what I say, these are the robots. It's software. It's automated tools that are changing the way that we work. And that was my journey was, was discovering that. And in that process, I fell into, I started getting really curious about these chatbots. Yeah. Particularly you're seeing like HR chatbots that like you go on a web page yeah. and try to help you and they're terrible. Like yeah. they're the, nobody wants to work with them. And I started writing about how bad they are. And then I saw a job opening at one of the companies and I, for a conversation designer, that is someone who designs those conversations. Yeah. And I said, well, I could do that job. I've got, I've been a writer, yeah. I've been in HR, I could do that. And they heard me. 
Nice. So I got into this new whole career path called conversation design. Yeah. I work with AI technology and machine learning mm-hmm. and use my creative background mm-hmm. to shape these experiences. Cause it's not just the tech, like the tech is, if engineers design chatbots, it really goes pretty poorly. Yeah. You need creative people yeah. that understand language and people to come in and shape these experiences. Yeah. So that's what I do now. Yeah, it's very cool. It's a, and it's a very specific example of what I frequently hear, which is 10 years from now, 20 years from now, people will have jobs that we don't even understand today. If we were having this conversation five or 10 years ago, we would not have imagined by then Nicole will be a conversation designer. Right. No, we've never seen it. But it's a thing. And, And it's also, it's that interesting blend. I know a lot of the right brain, left brain stuff has been a bit debunked, but the idea that if it's not either or, it's not either get into engineering and get those quote unquote harder skills or be a creative. It's like frequently if you can connect the creative aspect to the engineering and technical implementation, like that's a sweet spot. And it seems you've had the courage, because that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you next about is more the courage to switch. But it does feel like you moved into a place where you almost have some next level awareness of where your skills would be valuable for a a little bit of time. Can you talk about some of your thinking? Like how did you land in the, the conversation design space? Yeah, definitely. I will say you hit the nail on the head though, right there about just that blending of skills. And that's what we're actually seeing for, we talk about the future work, the future work has already arrived. So this is just a stand-in term for what's already happening. It's called hybrid skill sets and burning glass technology really identified Mm -hmm. this term. And that's that blending, right? It's the technical skills with what we call the soft skills. I call them power skills, Um, that creativity, communication, your ability to collaborate with people from different backgrounds, like all of that, you have to have that. And the jobs that pay well, that are paying the most, and that are the most secure right now are those hybrid jobs. They're the ones mm-hmm. that, that, and I will add analytical skills too. So your ability yes. to you know, work with data and make informed decisions and work mm-hmm. with large amounts of information. So that's the sweet spot. As far as what I've done, I think your first career change is always overwhelming, right? It can be very, and there's different degrees, right? There's the, the big jump I'm going from maybe a writer to a software engineer, huge yeah. jump. Yeah. And then there's softer jumps. So my first one was, I was a study abroad program manager in a university. This was a couple of years after grad school. And that was like my dream job. I thought that was the job I was like, that was what I worked for. Yeah. And I learned once I got into it, that it wasn't my dream job. Mm. I was like, oh dear, they don't tell you what to do when you want to exit your dream job. You're like, oh shit, right, your dream right. job. <laughs> it's gone. Okay. Because yeah. it was so much emailing and program management and there's nothing wrong with that as a job. It just wasn't a fit for me. And I think that key path, that the thing that a lot of people tend to overlook is that self-reflection part. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've got to tough it out. I've got to make this work. I chose this path. Yeah. And we're really in that kind of like old school mindset of you choose that one path forever. And so I've rejected that from mm-hmm. as far back as I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like I yeah. rejected it over and over. And so I, I really had that. And then it was like, okay, how can I find something that's similar? It's in an area of that's similar to what I'm doing. And so that's how I jumped into travel writing. It was global. That was yeah. it. Um, yeah. I knew writing was a power skill of mine. It was something that I've always done well. Mm-hmm. And so I got some practice writing on the side for different like, friends. I wrote outside of work and I used that. And then I found opportunities at my job when I knew I wanted to leave to write as well. Yeah. So that way I could show them, Hey, look, I'm doing it. It may not be my job, but I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I made the jump. Right. And so once it was time to jump again, I just started doing that. It was like, okay, if I know it's time to jump and I use jump as a, as a term, we, we use yeah. change, but really, if you think about it as jumping, yeah, it's yeah. a little less, Oh my God, I've transformed my whole self. And so it's like really doing that self-reflecting 
reflection to see what it is that, that you're good at yeah, and that you can do and finding ways to apply that in your current job and then looking at the deficit. What else do you need? Yeah, And I will tell you this last one, the conversation design, I think was probably the hardest because I was so unsure. I had all the understanding of how I'd spent so much time looking at how AI works and yep. I didn't know the technical side. I just understood the implementation side. Yeah. But I tell you what, the first day I walked in to be on that AI team and I was the only non-engineer, I felt like a total imposter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like I'm the expert here that's, oh, just go do this. Like I've been through it. And mm -hmm. I, this is just a natural part of the evolution of changing careers. You take the time to self-reflect, you learn new skills, you apply them, you get a job, you go in, you've got imposter syndrome and you do the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You almost said, you're, you're reminding me, your talk of, of jumping is reminding me of uh, skydiving as well right? oh, like yeah. you know, after you've done a couple of skydives I, I imagine this is i'm a skydiver <laughs> but but like it supposedly gets easier after you've done it so the fear starts to go away and you start to have a little more courage because the other thing I, I haven't heard is folks talk as much about courage these days but it does feel like a time where we all have to be like you know those quiet acts of, of heroism you they're, they're, are absolutely right they're everywhere yeah. and you just need to notice uh the opportunity and then hopefully deliver on the chance that you take. But I'd like to get a little bit into the conversation designs piece because mm -hmm. I think that's super fascinating. First off, are you secretly designing this conversation as <laughs> we're talking or? No. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> but I do think about it a lot. I think about conversation design process. It's ironic because I do teach. I've done so many workshops on soft skills training. So I teach yeah. people how to have conversations, teach, like I've taught engineers and data scientists how to have conversations at work so they can improve collaboration. I've yeah. taught people how to network. Like I do all this soft skills training and now here I am teaching a computer yeah so it's just absurd right but I'm more in the process oriented the conversation that I designed so it's for organizations so transforming some of their static websites into conversations I see, I see. Yeah. so rather than go through like a drop menu or yep. interact with a website you yep. do it so it could be a conversation yeah. that's pretty interesting though as well because it does require you to think through the crazy things that humans may do. Oh, yeah. So even though that again, this is like the blending of it where right. you have to understand there's AI that's powering this, but ultimately it's interfacing with the wackiness that is humanity. Absolutely. Uh, any quick stories on that front? Uh, you know, there's not a lot I can say because when you work for these companies, yeah. you usually can't say a lot, but I will say I worked on a chatbot that interviewed people. Mm -hmm. So that was how I got into conversation design. So it's essentially repeated. It's the phone screen process, but through a chatbot. Yeah. And I tell you what, I've been a career coach. I have been a staffing recruiter where I've hired people. I have seen the things that people say in interviews yeah. from a human point of view. And it still happens on a chatbot. <laughs> and I could see the data, the conversational data. And I was just like, oh my God. And, but I think that's the beauty of having people who don't have an engineering background, yeah. who have these varied experiences coming into design because yeah. they know that humans are not going to act in a linear fashion. Right? Yeah, They're yeah. not going to do. And good design keeps that in mind. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's really my role as a designer coming in is to take that human side and then yeah. make sure that we're designing you know, products that ideally compensate for that, like yeah. that help that. Well, and I guess it also helps, you were mentioning this briefly before, even though it may be hard just to be the person who is diverse in the group, mm -hmm. but by virtue of having diverse people in the process of designing this conversational technology, mm -hmm. it's more likely going to avoid some of the pitfalls around bias mm -hmm. and some of the other challenges that, that we're talking about. 
are there are there any aspects of that that you've bumped up against? I, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, it's actually what I'm really passionate about in the AI space is how do we get more people involved in the design of these models? So that way it's not just product managers and engineers making decisions. Yeah. And part of it, there's a lot of good ways to do it. Obviously, you're hiring, making sure that you're hiring people, um, different genders, different uh, socioeconomic backgrounds, different races, like yeah. getting them in there, like from an engineering point of view. But then there's also like, how do you partner with organizations who are the experts? Because engineers aren't going to be, and data scientists aren't going to be the experts on every single industry or product or the mm -hmm. users that it impacts. Mm -hmm. And so one of the I advocate for, and this is something I talk about in the book and something I've been talking about a lot lately, is making sure that one, people across all industries have the digital skills. We're yes. talking about understanding how the modern organization works, the basic data fluency, and then two, understanding the basics of AI. Mm -hmm. How does artificial intelligence work? The things that I've been talking about today, I say AI is like a container for what the actual technology is, like machine learning, yep. natural language processing. Mm -hmm. You don't have to know that now, but yeah. there are some courses out there and I've been trying them myself, but I've been taking them to really see like, how are we teaching people mm. the basics of AI? Um, there's this incredible course out of Finland. The Finnish government decided they want to educate their citizens about the basics of AI. Mm. And so they built a course. It's called Elements of AI. It's completely huh. free. It's in English. Wow. And it teaches you it. Huh. And it's so good. It's actually from a course design point of view. Any instructional designers out there, uh -huh. like, go take this course. It's like, it's so good from an huh. instructional design That's point cool. of view. Yeah, but yeah. That's what we need. We need more people who are familiar with the technology yeah. because it's shaping our world. We all know how it shapes like our movie recommendations. Yeah. But it's also shaping us at work. Mm -hmm. And it's going to change how we work. If it hasn't changed your industry yet, yeah. it will. Right, right. Right? Yeah. yeah. And we need more people's voices involved and speaking up and saying, hey, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. This impacts this group in this way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. And then I imagine upskilling is something just there's so such massive disruption and yes. i always know how long it takes for me to bring up a pandemic <laughs> but there it is there it there's, is. <laughs> there's just so much massive disruption this year that folks who maybe were just trying to ride out their career to a certain extent where mm -hmm. if it ain't broke don't fix it keep my head down do my work and have yeah. to have that balance that luxury may be going away for some folks the rugs getting pulled out from under people yeah. a little bit and the scale of the upskilling that will be needed to meet the demands that we're already building, but they've accelerated through the pandemic, is just off the charts. Do you have any perspective on how we're going to get through this? Like, where are people going to go? Because not everybody has the benefit of an organization that is sponsoring their learning. Although oh. Learning as a benefit is something we've talked mm -hmm. about a lot. But do you have any perspective on how we're going to meet the challenge of reskilling, upskilling everyone in the next, say, five, 10 years? Yeah, I think it's a comprehensive effort. The things you've mentioned, I certainly follow a lot of good work on organizations and, and companies that are trying to build the infrastructure to upskill people, right? Sure. And yep. at scale. And that's part of the process. The process that I'm working on and that the reason I wrote my book was the, the individual level. We need a complete rethinking of careers. Yeah. If you think about it, I was certainly raised with the idea that it's one career for one lifetime. Now we right. know that's not true. Yeah. We know that's not true. But yeah. why is it that when uh, undergrads are still being taught, this is your major? 
Mm-hmm. And we hold on to that major as if yeah. that's like the thing that we will right. then do. Why aren't we teaching a broader group of skills yeah. and teaching how do you apply it to different contexts? I was in career services at the MBA level and it's still the same thing that has been taught for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And that's no offense to like my colleagues because they're doing great work. They're often understaffed and underfunded. So right. You don't have the means to be able to go out and make huge changes. Right, I'm right. to say it a little bit. Yeah. But that rethinking of how we think about our careers. And then there's the, what do we do with all the mid-career professionals who are also like, Hey, I want to change, but then what? Mm -hmm. If you don't know what the jobs are, you don't know what your options are. You don't know you have, you have kids (laughs) because making time for learning with kids is real hard, especially during the pandemic when we're already tapped. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's supporting that. I think I I talk a lot about creating learning ecosystems. Mm -hmm. It's not from an organizational point of view. It's not enough to say, Hey, got this benefit. Here's some online courses. Yeah right? You need leaders who can step up and say, okay, this is what I'm learning this month. This is how I'm making time for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm giving you eight hours a month to yeah. make time for your learning on the work, on mm-hmm. work's dime. Mm-hmm. That would be transformational, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And from the individual point of view, and the reason I wrote this book was to really lay out all these different paths. You don't mm-hmm. have to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Here's how to choose an online program. Here's the difference between an online program, a certificate, and a certification. Oh. And what I found is that a lot of people don't know the difference between certificate and certification. Mm-hmm. And there's a glut of certificate programs out there that aren't actually going to get people jobs. Yeah. And so it's like helping people sort through your sea of options. Right that I think is so critical right now. And certainly one of the things I work on, but I think organizations could do a better job of doing it. It's not enough to say, hey, there's yeah. some online courses. Yeah, 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 right? 100%. Yeah, I'm always talking about the, the problem of curation. It seems like yes. you're, you're yes. a curator. Definitely. You're, you're like a Sherpa. You're helping people <laughs> climb their respective mountains, which is awesome. Really fascinating stuff. And then if folks folks want to get the, the check out the book, it's punched out in the face, like the how to upskill, change careers and beat the robots. Also, if they want to find you out there in the world, where, where are the best places to go? You can find me on Twitter at PDX Nicole. That's Nicole with two L's. Or you can find me on LinkedIn and follow me there. I post a lot on LinkedIn. I post a lot of reviews on online courses, organizations, awesome. stuff like that about helping people making time to upskill. Awesome. Fantastic. And then before we let you go, I always ask my guests, what's new and emerging that's capturing your imagination these days? So could be some of what we just talked about, but is there something new recommendations, anything that's, that's new and exciting out there? Honestly, I already plugged the thing that I've gotten the most excited about. It was actually that course, mm. the elements of AI. There's that's also another good. one that's AI for everybody that's on Coursera. And okay. for those that haven't experienced Coursera before, it's a great intro to Coursera as a learning platform. Mm-hmm. You can do them for free. So um, I highly recommend checking that out if you want an intro to the basics of AI and understanding how it works in a business context. These Mm -hmm. courses are made for people without technical backgrounds. So that's what I'm pretty excited about right now. And of course, every time I discover new books and podcasts, that's really where I get excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, But but it's a great point though too, because AI is not just for engineers anymore. And you're talking about the courses and the resources that are out there for everyone. So even if you're not going to be doing the engineering, you still need to have some foundational understanding of AI to stay relevant in your job. And then mm-hmm. you're a great example of someone who can also discover new careers that are, are genuinely rewarding for people who aren't engineers as yeah, well. Absolutely. Plenty out there. there. Yeah. I think we're, we're taught trying to just think about just the basic jobs, but to give you context, I remember last year I had someone designing my website and she's like, Oh yeah. On the side, I've also been designing AR filters for Snapchat. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that's a job. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it. And it's until you talk to someone and they tell you and you're like, 
holy crap, I didn't know that was a job. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. there's so much to discover out there and we can't possibly know it all. So yeah. those conversations really bring out those cool opportunities. Yeah, for sure. And also finding those Sherpas, finding those uh, curators who can help yeah. us navigate the, the complex and, and wacky times that we're living in. But Nicole, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you for taking the time. Definitely. Thanks for the good conversation. I love it. Yeah. And for our listeners, hopefully you enjoy what you're hearing. If you like what you're hearing, uh, write us a review, tell your friends, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. Mm-hmm.